All right, everybody, grab a seat. Welcome. My name is JJ. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the pastors at the Osavius Church. For those of you who don't know, we have three campuses, a part of our church. One is in Jennings, one is in Eunice, one's here in Crowley. And uh, I'm privileged to be able to get to preach here a lot. And um, we come from South Africa. My, fi- my, my, fi- my wife, my wife, <laughs> my wife and my family, uh, our four kids are in the children's church right now. And um, yeah, so uh, we're going to head into a series today, three-part series, I think, uh, about identity. Who am I? Who am I? Who are you? So if you had to answer that question, what would you say? Who are you? So often we, uh, we start with what we work, right? Well, uh, I work at a, <laughs> I, uh, I do this, or, uh, um, and God doesn't want us to refer to what we do in life when this question comes up. There's one answer that God really wants us to answer, and we're going to look at that in a minute, but um, God is serious about this thing called identity because there's a verse in the Bible, Proverbs 7, 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so how you think of yourself literally determines how you live. It determines how you conduct yourself, how you handle yourself in situations. And this often gets revealed in pressure situations more than when it gets, you know, more than when, when everything's going well. You kind of, when everything's kind of going well, you're kind of in control of everything. But the minute something difficult starts happening in your life, that's when the true you suddenly pops out. You know, it's, the, it's called the toothpaste two principle. You know, if you put some pressure on a toothpaste, it doesn't squirt out Gatorade. You know, <laughs> it's toothpaste that comes out. And so pressure reveals to us who we actually believe in our hearts ourselves to be. And here's why this is important. God has so many good things that He wants to bring into your life. God has so many good um, purposes that He wants to reveal to you, that He wants you to use you in. But the problem is, if you think wrong about yourself, you'll miss out on that. And it's the story about the Israelites that were about to go into the biggest promise and receive the biggest blessing that God had wanted to give them. Not the biggest, one of the biggest things, because the biggest was His presence, right? But one of the biggest, you know, um, provisions and promises that was going to get fulfilled uh, when they were to step into the promised land. And, and all they had to go and do is they had to go and remove the inhabitants that were in there, and then they would have the land, Right? Um, the problem was when they sent out a number of spies to go and check out and a bit of a reconnaissance mission, they came back with a very bad report about how they saw themselves. And it literally caused them to not enter into the promised land. And that generation of people, the whole generation that came out of, uh, the, of the adult generation that came out of Egypt, never received the promise. They died outside of that promised land in the wilderness, and God had to wait for a whole new generation to rise up. All but two men were able to enter. And so um, here's what they said. They said to themselves, they said to the, the, the leaders of, of, of Israel, Moses and Aaron, they said to them, look, when we went there, the people there are giants. They're big, and we were like grasshoppers in their eyes and also in our own. And what had happened was a very sad shift took place. They adopted the view that they thought their environment had on them, of them, 
for themselves as their own opinion of who they were. And guess what? They had no courage. They had no faith to step into what God wanted for them. Everything God wants you to step into is going to require faith. It's going to require courage. Everything. Everything. And so the promises of God aren't just going to appear one day in your life and it's going to be all, you know, all easy. God wants you to walk and trust with Him as you walk. And, and it requires you often to, um, to go into the unknown. And, and here's the problem. If you're insecure about who you are, the unknown, stepping into unknown areas becomes just that little bit too much for you to handle. Because you're already dealing with too many unknowns in here. You see what I'm saying? And so that's why God wants us to be secure in our identity. He wants us to know who we are. So that whatever challenge He puts in front of us, we can go, I know God, I know me, let's go. How many of you are ready to like get going on some of the things that God wants for your life? It's time to really settle on the inside who you are and what He has for, for, what he has for you. So a number of years ago, there was a guy, this is a true story, a guy who was so brutally beaten um, up behind a restaurant that he actually got brain damage and forgotten who he was. Couldn't recall his name, his identity, didn't know where he lived. He got lost. You know? Went out one day to a restaurant, um, you know, got beaten up, never went home. And it's funny because, not, not, not funny, it's tragic. I'm sorry, it's tragic. This was, this was bad. They called him Burger King Doe. I don't know if any of you might have remembered some of like those. But anyways, they try to help him find, you know, they put his picture in the paper and like trying to, hey, anybody know this guy? <laughs> you know, come and claim him because he doesn't know who he is. Um, they even put him on a TV show, try and get the nation to help find the man. So 11 years later, he lived with this question, who am I, not knowing. Right? Now, I don't know if the people who did know him was like, I ain't telling. <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> We'll let him suffer for a while and we'll come and claim it after a decade or something like that. But the fact of the matter is it must have been horrifying living with this. You know, we see movies about this all the time. And then that the search to find out who I am just is like, you know, the whole plot of the movie. And it's such an important question for us that, um, you know, people will even, you know, make, make movies about, about that, the born identity. Um, and so can you imagine going through life not knowing who you are? physically your name and where you come from, where you fit in. That is horrible. You know what's equally bad, and, but we don't recognize this one that often, is that we don't really know who we are in God. And so we would, we would ask questions like this, you know, um, who am I if I am not the one who gets promoted for a job? Who am I when I can't, get children. Who am I when I have a child now and I, I'm not single anymore? Who am I now that I got promoted and I'm like the head of my company? How does that inform who I am? Does it change it? Does it just, am I just, do I just stay the same? Who am I now that I have a sickness that I do not know how to deal with? And so life sometimes throws these you know, these scenarios at us, and it actually challenges the, the identity that we're carrying. It's like, I remember when I was a young kid, um, I used to be very good at sport, um, to the point where I was, I was kind of famous in my region for my sport accolades. And um, it was before my body started becoming closer to where I am right now, 
Um, and one year, over a December holiday, I grew like this much, I think, around about there. And all of a sudden, everything was out of sync. And I had zero performance ability left in sport. And so I literally, before the summer vacation, because our summer vacation is December, um, before summer vacation, I was a hero. I came back and absolutely lost everything. And I struggled with my identity. And you know why I struggled with my identity? Because I found my worth in what people were saying about me and people's reactions towards what I was doing and not in a more stable thing. And the minute that that got taken away from me, the same thing happens, happened that would happen to you if you were to lose a job. And all of a sudden, you know, you were to lose something in your life that was dear to you. Something that you held as a point of worth got taken out. And you had to deal with you without that thing. Sometimes we just, not, it's not that tragic, but it's, it's still hurtful. People leave our house, you know, the empty nest syndrome. How, who am I now that I don't have kids in my house anymore? Am, am I still dad? You know, am I still loved? Am I still cherished? Who am I now that my kids are teenagers? And they don't respond to me the same they used to uh, respond to me. You know, I'm no longer the hero. I'm like the antagonist in their, in, in their storyline right now. How does that affect us? And these things can often reveal, it's pressure with situations that reveals our identity. And, and here's what God wants us to be able to do. He wants us to walk through each and every one of those seasons and those scenarios in our lives without it making us feel that we're unworthy, that we don't have value, and that we need to not respond to the calling and the plan that He has for our lives. He wants us to live in security. And He wants each and every one of us, of you here, to live in security. So here's, here's the fact that we deal with, unfortunately. The more disconnected we are from God, the more we will struggle with our identity. The more disconnected we are from God, the more we struggle with our identity because of a very important thing. And I want to read for you a scripture verse that is in Psalm 36 verse 9. And it's not going to be on the screen. So you might want to, want to read this one on your device or in, or in your Bible if you brought one. It says the following. It says, With you is the fountain of life. With you is the fountain of life. And in your light we see light. I really need your help today. Who've heard this verse before? Okay. Just a couple of people. This verse is so important because this verse is literally a foundational truth that every single Christian needs to know. Every single Christian needs to know. And here's why we need to know it. Because we have been influenced so much by popular culture and the thoughts concerning popular culture. And I will just go ahead and say modern philosophy um, that gets promoted through things like movies, things like songs, um, uh, you know, catchphrases, jokes, etc. Uh, things that make us start thinking in a particular way about ourselves that we have actually lost the true way of thinking as Christendom. And um, let, me sh let me show you where, where, where I'm going. There was a guy called Rene Descartes. He was a philosopher in, in a, a time long gone by. Rene Descartes started thinking about this whole concept of thought. And how do I know whether what I'm thinking is in fact real and is in fact true? So some people took his work, his body of work, and they, they reduced it down to a slogan. And that slogan is the following, I think, therefore I am. 
How many of you have heard that before? Okay, that one's a little bit more known. I think therefore I am. And here's what that did for us. It actually removed our sense of being from the concept of God to the concept of self-reflection. I think about who I am and that defines who I am. Therefore, you'll hear things being said in society like, you know, if you want to find yourself, just look within. Yeah? Just, just look inside you and you will see. You know, and these are sung in songs and, you know, you hear it in poems. And, and, and we're being, it's being promoted that for us to get secure and to just to be the you that you were meant to be, all you need to do is you just need to look inside. And you will find if how you think of yourself, that is how you are, that is who you are. Um, so my being is dependent on my reason. And if I have doubts, the problem with this is, is if I have doubts about me, if I recognize weakness in me, if, if me thinking about who I am is going to define whether I'm strong and secure and bold and courageous in life, then I'm, I'm having a problem. Because if I see problems in me, then all of a sudden I'm never going to reach a point of security and never reach a point of certainty where I can work from. Now, we experience this in various levels in our lives, but each of us have experienced insecurity in certain things. Like recently, I, I, <laughs> I realized that you know, one of my insecurities popped up. We were, we were um, editing some of our training material, and I'd worked long and hard on a particular section of it, and I was bringing it to our pastoral team for, you know, to review, and these guys started pulling it apart. You know, <laughs> and I started getting a little hurt for how many times they were changing it. You know, one guy made, 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 the, co- made the comments like, you've, you've, you've written it well, we just have to rewrite it in English. <laughs> I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know, so at some point I was just like, man, stop being defensive. Just these guys are trying to help and they're really making it better. So let's get going. Let's get making it better. And so I was able to, you know, just like put my insecurity aside and just realize that, hey, it's okay. You're okay. This does not define your worth. How many of you have submitted work and gotten back feedback that was negative and felt so offended and hurt by it? Yeah, <laughs> I have, like, you know. And why is that? Because we have disconnected our worth from the place where it should be, and we've placed our worth, our feeling of worth, on how big and how good we can perform and what we can produce. And let me tell you, that steals from you what you need in order to walk through the challenges of life securely and knowing who you are. So we're going to attempt to to fix that today. Let me just say, Christians do not think like this. I think, therefore I am. Christians don't do that. Our reasoning actually is not looking within. Our reasoning becomes receiving from above. We look to God to figure out who we are, all right? And uh, we think we, we receive from God the way He sees us, and therefore we start viewing ourselves the way He sees us and not the way we've performed or the way we've been able to get feedback from our environments about us. And that's a really big shift that we need to make because if you don't make that, you are literally subject to your environment for your security and for your identity. Yeah? And, I mean, by no means is it bad to get feedback because sometimes feedback just shows you where you're lacking um, and wh- what you need to work on. But it's very bad if you start connecting your sense of worth and your identity to what the feedback say about you. 
And that's how we get hurt. And that's how we just cringe back into our little shells and not try to go out and try to uh, and, and achieve things for God and uh, attempt things for God. Okay, so <clears throat> scripture, scripture wants us to, to see ourselves the way God sees us and then align ourselves to it. Scripture is preaching at us who we've become in Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am no longer a sinner. So if you still say of yourself, I'm just a sinner, you're contradicting Scripture because Scripture says, for all who are in Christ Jesus, the old things have passed away. That sinful man have passed away and you have been created into a new being that is no longer carrying the identity of a sinner even though we do still sin our being's nature, our identity have changed into the righteousness of God. And our confession about ourselves needs to be, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have not been perfected yet. Yes, we sin. But I do not now sin. Sin that I do now does not define me. God's word defines me. Christ defines me. And so my whole thinking starts changing. If Jesus defines me, He defines my will, He defines my desires, He defines everything about me, all of a sudden I start wanting different things. And now I find myself having power over sin and temptation. And I find myself getting perfected and overcoming things. If I just see myself as a sinner, what do sinners do? They sin. And there's no resistance to sin for a sinner. Because he's not made into something different. My nature determines my actions. And if my nature changed into being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, all of a sudden now, my righteous desire is to do right, no longer to sin. And so I have to start thinking differently about myself and my identity in Jesus Christ before my behavior change. See, True change, sustainable change, is always from the inside to the outside. I cannot slap on controls and mechanisms to say to me that you shalt not, you must not, you will and you have to. Those things have no power against the temptation that we face to sin against God. But what has power is if I go, that's not me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to watch porn. I don't want to be uh, unfaithful to my wife. I don't want to cuss. I don't want to, you know, lose my anger, lose my temper and, and, and start, you know, just blowing up on people. That's not who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I am becoming like Jesus. I want to pray for people. I want to help people. I want to tell people Jesus loved them. How many of you have been like, oh man, evangelism. I don't want to do evangelism. It's because you don't see yourself as Jesus sees you that you don't want to do evangelism. <laughs> Any person who sees himself as a righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, who sees himself as one who has been forgiven much, who loves much, has the desire for other people around them to also want to receive the same they've received. If you see yourself that way, you end up wanting to live that way. But it's because we constantly just see ourselves wrong that we don't want to do many of the things that the Bible says that you will be wanting, you will do if you're a Christian. And it, it's this discrepancy we can't understand. But like, you know, why do I still want to get drunk? Why do I still want to use, you know, drugs? Why do I still have that desire? 
Well, it's because you haven't started seeing yourself as being completely, emphatically changed from that into a completely new being that has no desire for that any longer. And so the change has to happen here before behavior will shift. And that's why we're, as a church, we're not into behavior modification. It's like very often, very, 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 very few times you will hear us, you know, um, telling people to change behavior. Because trying to change behavior just isn't a lasting, sustainable solution. The only thing that brings change permanently is if transformation happens on the inside. And you no longer see yourself as what your actions have been up till this far. And you, when, when the inside change, all of a sudden, the outside just changes naturally. You don't even have to force it. You don't even have to try hard. It just shifts. It's just like, I can't believe this, but I have no desire to do that any longer. That is what needs to happen on the inside of us. And that is why it's so important that we know our identities in Jesus Christ. And so the funny thing about this, and this is just a little, you know, um, FYI, by the way, that the guy who, who ca- you know, kind of came up with the slogan, I think therefore I'm, he actually did not come up with that slogan. It was kind of a slogan that was coined by other people who read his work, and it actually misconstrued him and his opinions in a, in a way because he lived the exact opposite. He did not try to disprove God's existence and to remove God's wisdom and the received knowledge we get from God from his sense of being. He did not try to do that. In fact, he tried to use his thinking to prove God's existence. And one of the big things that he says, um, and I quote him, is, is to say that when I consider the fact that I have doubts, remember, remember I said, if you recognize your own doubts and insufficiencies, all of a sudden it makes you insecure. He says, when I recognize my doubts, and when I recognize my incompleteness and my dependencies, then it actually makes me think that there has to be a being that is not dependent on anything. It actually makes me realize that there is a person who is complete. Because how will I know incompleteness if I do not understand the concept of completeness? And so he says, this is God. That is God. That person, that being is God. Because I have and can recognize and because I know that I exist and I have these thoughts, I know that God exists but in a complete form. He is the antithesis. And because He is the antithesis, because He is the complete, I should go. Well, how do you see this? Instead of trying to find out from me how it should be. And so he is wanting to receive the knowledge from God. And he does not connect his being to his reasoning of who he is. He actually connects his being to the ultimate being from where we all come. What is he saying? He's saying Psalm 36 verse 9. He's saying, you're the fountain of life. You're the origin. You're the eye of the fountain. From you, life sprouts from you, God. My life sprouts from you. And because my life sprouts from you, it's when I look to your truth, which is the absolute truth, which is the only truth, in fact. Through that, I can see what is true about me. And so we need to make this distinction in our, com- in our common world, in our, in our culture that, you know, um, we're getting fed philosophy all the time. Whether you think of philosophy ever or not, you know, you can be, you know, you can, uh, you can, you don't even have to say the word philosophy. You're being influenced by it, you know. 
if you've ever listened to Frank Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way, you're, you're, you're influenced by his philosophy that he doesn't need a God to tell him how he needed to look at himself. He's doing it in his way. That's a philosophy. And um, it, it, it's just everywhere. And so all you need to know is that a Christian's philosophy is this. In your light, I see light. Psalm 36, verse 9. In your light, I see light. Your truth determines who I am, and it makes me become who you want me to be. So when we're not, when we're not secure in our identity, it leads us to insecurity. And insecurity manifests in so many ways. Insecurities are probably the biggest cause of our marital issues. It's the biggest cause of our rifts at work. It's the biggest cause between men when egos clash. Um, insecurities will steal from you and <coughs> cause you to not step out in faith. Excuse me. <coughs> to take business opportunities to, to go for things that if you were secure and you knew who you were, you would have normally gone and done. But you get stolen from because your identity in Christ is not secure. How many of you have ever said, hey, I can never lead a life group. I can never uh, speak in front of people. I can never X, Y, and Z. That's insecurity speaking on the inside of you, telling you what it says of you. It's trying to define you. It's trying to limit you and steal from you the destiny that God has placed on your life to make a difference in the lives of people around you. You need to reject that outright, and you need to say, hey, I might be scared of doing this, but I'm going to figure out a way because God is with me. And God will enable me to do this because, because He is calling us to do that. He's calling us to invest in the lives of people. And so there's a couple of things that we can do to, to help us navigate through this. But um, we're going to look at the guy Moses um, in the Bible and uh, to look at how insecurity played out in his life and, and how he handled security, how God helped him handle security, and therefore also how God will help you and I to handle our insecurities and settle our identity so that we can go with God and step into how He wants us to make a difference in this world. So first and foremost, the story of Moses is Moses was, a, a, um, as a Hebrew baby, um, Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, was culling all the Hebrew kids, un, boys under two. Moses' mom hid him in a little basket that drifted down the river to a bunch of reeds where Pharaoh's wife was bathing. She found him and she decided she's going to raise him. So Moses got raised as a Hebrew boy in an Egyptian family. Talk about being confused, okay? And you see the conflicting thing in Moses' identity when he's an adult and he tries to protect the Hebrew people. So he's living this life of privilege. His people are suffering in slavery and he's conflicted about that. Why am I here? Why, why do I experience this? And, and you can see him trying to intervene and trying to do something about this discrepancies in experiencing in his mind when he kills an Egyptian slave driver for, for hitting a Hebrew, uh, a Hebrew slave. It just spills over into confusion and he just doesn't know how to deal with this, so he runs away. He tries to just get out of the situation and he goes and hides in the desert, looks after sheep for about 40 years. But guess what? You can run, but you cannot hide from God. And you might have been saying for a long time, hey, I will never do this. I will never be able to do that. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. Whatever and wherever you're hiding, God's going to come find you because He's got a calling for your life. 
There's a purpose on you. And every now and then, God will come to you in the form of a burning bush. But that burning bush might not look like a bush that's burning. It might look like a friend who is passionate about Jesus and wants you to grow in your relationship with Him. It might be a person that says to you, hey, come help serve us on the dream team. It might be somebody who, who talks to you about, you know, some discrepancy in your life and God wants better for you. And those things kind of burn because they, you know, you want to kind of just pull back your hand and go like, you know, I don't need you to speak to me like that. But those are burning bush moments. God's trying to get your attention. God's trying to tell you, hey, there's so much more for your life if you will connect with me and you'll help me to lead you. So the same for Moses. God comes, finds him in the wilderness, like in this mag magical, you know, manifestation. And he says to him, basically, look, I've chosen you to go and lead my people out of Egypt. And um, let's read from this account what Moses says. Verse uh, 3 of Exodus chapter, verse 10 of Exodus chapter 3 says, God says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, right? Or God might be saying, hey, go start leading a life group. Hey, go start a prayer group at your, at your workplace. Hey, go tell that person Jesus loves them. But Moses protested. He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? See that question he asks? It's an identity question. He does not know who he is. And then he says, who am I to lead the people out of Israel? I have not led one person in my life. I'm leading sheep right now. That's about as far as I'll go. And God says to him, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. There's a couple of things in here that just astounds me. First and foremost, God says, all right, I'll give you a sign to show you that I'm with you. When you've done all this, you'll be worshiping me here. That'll be your sign. I was like, wait, that is, that's not how it works, right? <laughs> I want the sign before I do it. Don't we? It's like, no, God says no. He says, I want you to step out in faith. I want you to try. I want you to trust me and just walk with me. Because as you step out, you'll gain understanding. As you start, it will start making sense. And that's the pattern he, he was walking with people throughout the whole Old Testament as well as all throughout the New Testament. It's a walk of faith, everybody. It, it, there is a lot of uncertainty in our walk. And that's why we need to have certainty on the inside of our hearts about who we are so that the uncertainty of our outside don't make us draw back and be destroyed. So, so God says, I am with you. And this is your sign. And then Moses protests again. He's like, all right, it's all good and well with Pharaoh, right? But you're telling me that I need to go tell your people that I'm going to lead them out of Israel. Who am I to lead your people? I mean, he knew how Israel was structured. There, was, there were leaders in place. And here he comes and he's just like, all right, good. You know, I'm the new leader of Israel. Who am I to do that? And... Um, God said to them, God is trying to help them to, to connect, to connect the dots. And he says to them, Moses, go tell them, I am sent you. I am who I am. And this is the, this is the kind of the trick, if, if, if you will, of, today's, of the, the, today's message. Is if we can connect to the I am, we can overcome all the am I questions that come up in our hearts. Am I going to be okay one day? Am I going to be provided for? 
Am I going to be loved? Am I going to be accepted? Am I going to be successful? Am I going to mean something? Am I going to add something? Am I going to be remembered? All those little questions get answered, get settled once we connect to the I am. Like Ryan said earlier, as you walk with I am, he starts revealing to you who he is. I am your provider. I am. But you first have to come to a point where you cannot provide for yourself before you can get a revelation of the God who will be that provider for you. And so when you face difficult situations, don't fear them. They're an opportunity for God to show himself real to you. And if you'll connect to the I am, he will show himself to you in a new, fresh way. And that'll just blow your mind. And it'll just invoke a whole lot of worship from your heart to, to, um, to ascribe to him again. Um, so it's clear here that Moses did not see in himself what God saw in him, right? So if Moses were to think, and therefore I am, he would have merely remained a sheep herder for the rest of his life. But God had greater plans for him. God has greater plans for you. God has plans for you that is going to make a difference in this society that's going to change people's lives. Some people are only going to hear about Jesus because you are their friend, because they're in contact with you, because they visited your business. Because nowhere else is anybody talking about that. In those moments, God needs you to be secure. Hey, if I, if I reach out to a, a client, is he ever going to come back? What if I lose business? I am your provider. Follow my spirit. The Bible says, these blessed are the ones who are led by the spirit of God, for these are the sons of God. God just wants us to obey and just go with him. And he's got us. He's got us. He's got us secure. But it's also interesting to note that God doesn't just remove Moses' imperfections. Like, think about this. He doesn't say, all right, Moses, let me just touch your tongue, and now you'll be able to speak. He doesn't even really respond to Moses saying, I can't speak. You know, he just says to him, you're going to come. Come. We got this. Don't worry about it. And in a sense, he also just goes and says, hey, all right, about the speech thing, here's Aaron. He'll do the talking for you. And in my mind, I always thought, well, why not choose Aaron? <laughs> he can talk. He can, you know, why not just, but God had such a grand plan already in place for what Aaron's role was going to be. And later on, Aaron becomes the, 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 um, the father of all the Levites, the people who ministered in the presence of God and did all the sacrifices. And so God had his place already figured out. And if they would just walk with him, it will unfold. God is telling each and every one of us today, if you'll just walk with me, it'll unfold. Whatever question you have will be answered. It'll unfold, but you need to trust me and step out with me. So the reason why we don't step out with God is because we have this insecurity. We're trying to control things. We're trying to defend ourselves. We're trying to fight for ourselves. So insecurity kind of have two, two sides to it. The first one is I kind of kind of draw back and I kind of just try to protect myself. The other side is I go on the attack and I just try and destroy whatever is coming against me, right? And so it... It's described like this. The one is a feeling of rejection. I believe the lie that I'm not loved. I'm not enough. I'm not going to be accepted. And because I, I believe that lie, I draw back and I kind of just shell up and try to protect myself. God is wanting to tell each and every one of us here today that, hey man, you're accepted. 
you've been accepted in the beloved. Not based on your performance, but based on your faith, based on the fact that you were willing to take a step with me and start walking with me. Based on that, you're accepted. You're accepted. You're safe. I have accepted you. And the Bible says that neither death nor life, angels nor demons can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you're safe. He's got you. The second part, the pride part, is we, we kind of go on the attack. Well, I don't need you. I got this on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I can do this on myself, by myself. And, 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 and you try to perform your way out of your insecurity, which, which, which makes perfectionism a part of your life. And, 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 if, and if you can't do something perfect, and if anybody else is influencing the situation that makes it not perfect, you'll rather just ditch it all and throw it all away. Because if it's not perfect, it's going to reflect on me and it's going to make me look bad. And because I'm insecure about how I look and how I, now all of a sudden I have to disengage entirely. And so we make fights, we have anger outbursts, and we reject people, push people away. We isolate ourselves because I need to be in control of everything around me. Have any of you experienced any of this before? It's pretty, it's pretty you know, much normal everyday life, right? But there is a better way for us to walk this journey. There is a way for us to walk secure with God that no matter what happens around us, we can choose our response and we can allow God and people close. So God says to us who are proud and who try to control everything around us that blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. What he's saying through that is, hey, you won't lose out. You won't lose out if you're not in control of everything. Just keep journeying with me and it'll all unfold. Your inheritance in me is secure. It is secure. And you can allow people close to you. So what can I do to get rid of insecurity? There's four points. What can I do to get rid of insecurity and how can I build my identity in Jesus Christ? How can I look into the light of God and see light for my own life, and walk straight with God. The first point is, don't put your security in anything that can't sustain it. Your position at your job can't sustain your security. That business you have currently, it cannot sustain your security. What if you have a bad year? You're going to ask the question, who am I now that I can't take my kids on a family vacation? And you're going to be insecure. And you're going to left wrestling. And you're going to be left um, feeling like a failure. And wanting to draw back. And fighting with your wife. Because everything is now sensitive that gets mentioned around finances. Don't put your security in something that cannot sustain it. That image, the clothes you wear, it cannot sustain you. The kind of you know, social standing you have, a position... It cannot sustain you. A season of life cannot sustain you. It's like, that's why, so, that's why many, many, many people get postnatal depression. It's because the, their life changed so radically after the giving of birth that they miss the part before it so dearly because they felt more secure in how their environment treated them before than they do now. And any change in your life, for that matter, that makes you, that, that, that speaks to you differently 
then a time where you were celebrated more maybe is going to bring this back up. And so the only place we can put our security is actually in our relationship with God. And that means we need to take what the Word of God says about us and we need to believe that. First thing that I need to stop believing is that I am a sinner. If you have been made a new creation, the old things have passed away. First, Second Corinthians 5 verse 17, Behold, all things have become new. I have to renew my mind as well to say, okay, I am now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And even if I make a mistake, Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation any longer for when I make a mistake. But there is the grace of God that empowers me to walk according to my true nature. My true nature is that of, I want to please God. I want to honor God. You see how we overcome sin, how we can walk above sin, not to constantly fear temptation, not to constantly, you know, walk under the circumstances, walk above it because my nature has changed. And I start acknowledging that for myself. I realize I don't want to do any of those things that I used to do because I want to honor God now with everything in me. I want to love him and I want to show him how much appreciative I am about how he's changed my life. That's how you change behavior. That's the only way how you change sin behavior and step away from sin and become victorious over the temptation. The second thing we need to do is we need to lean into our weakness. If you lean into your weakness, it means don't deny your weaknesses. Don't try and hide your weaknesses. Acknowledge them. Recognize them because when you do, you're actually opening yourself up to God's help. And God's help comes through His Scripture, and it comes through His people. And that's amazing. Because if I recognize my weakness, all of a sudden I humble myself, and I'm willing to receive help from you. I'm willing to receive wisdom from you. And all of a sudden, God's family makes the world of sense to me. I need you. We need each other. But if we constantly hide our weaknesses... We're sustaining our insecurity. When we reveal our weakness and we get help, we're forced to no longer look to ourselves for our identity. We're forced to look to the complete. We're forced to look to the one who is not weak to gain our validation, to gain our value. And if we do that, we become powerful because not even my own weaknesses faze me any longer. You see, whoa, I lost my place. So God wants us not to hide our weaknesses. He wants us to acknowledge them. Look at what 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, Paul is writing. He says this, God answered me, my grace is always enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. If you don't acknowledge your weakness, God's power can't get full expression in your life. That's why he says in his word, if you humble yourself in the sight of God, he will lift you up. He will lift you up. But if we're proud and we try to, you know, fend for ourselves all the time, then we say to even God, I got this. I don't need you. God doesn't want us to live like that. 
He's given us a hand of, of relationship so that He can lift us up to places where we can never get ourselves. Um, and then He says, so I will celebrate my weaknesses. How many of you have ever celebrated your weaknesses? Right? Paul says, celebrate them. Celebrate your weaknesses. Because if you do, um, when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living on the inside of me. When we become more dependent on God, we're more aware of His presence in our lives. And we're able to say, Lord, with my God, I can jump over a wall. With my God, I can run against the troop. My God makes me as strong as an ox. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is where God wants us to end up. This is how He wants us to walk. And it's all about me not seeing myself in my own light or in the light of people around me, seeing myself in God's light, in His Word, what His Word says about me. So our weaknesses doesn't have to make us feel bad about ourselves. It just shows us where God's power is going to be manifest through us. And it gives us opportunity to be aware of that and to desire it, to welcome it, to say, Lord, I can't do this. Help me. Put me among a people that can help me. Help me connect with individuals that can make me become strong in you and for you. And so if I know my weakness, I also know where I need God and people in my life. And that is God's desire. That's what family is all about. So how can I go ahead and build more my identity in Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing is we need to submit our self-talk and our thoughts to the truth of God's Word. We need to submit our self-talk. How many of you do self-talk? I do self-talk myself all the time. And it's not always even just, you know, real serious things. It's just like, you know, I'm thinking through stuff. I'm considering things. You know, if I did that, then, you know, maybe this will work out like that. And we all do it. But the problem becomes when that self-talk becomes degrading. And I start saying, oh, you know, I'm just an idiot. Or, you know, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just so bad with names. I never remember any, anybody's names. I mean, uh, who, who've said that before? <laughs> I, know you, I know everybody has said that before. I've said that so many times in my life. And you know what? I could never for the life of me remember anybody's name. And then one day somebody said to me, hey, stop saying that. I'm like, why, well, it's the truth. He says, it might be the truth now, but it's a creator. It's not a truth. It's a reality. It's a reality you're facing because you have not changed your way. And you will not change your behavior, remembering names, if you do not change something on the inside of your heart. The fact is, I never really valued knowing somebody's name. Like if I met a new person, it was just like, oh, good to meet you. And I don't really care what's your name. And so I never remembered it. And my cop-out excuse was, oh, I'm so bad with names. I remember faces, but uh, you know, I don't remember a name. <laughs> Until I, I, I realized that, you know, you know how much it means to people when you remember their names? It's amazing. And so right now, if I, if I have to greet some of you and I don't remember your name, I feel like horrible because I know how much it means if, I know, if, if people are known by their names. So I've started making a point of it. I now say, I don't, even if I forget a name, I trust the Holy Spirit to remind me of it. I still do forget people's names. I mean, some of you might know I've, I've, I've forgotten your name and I've you know, asked you to, hey, say your name again. But I've just learned that it's important enough for me to change my self-talk. 
I don't confess over myself. Oh, I forget names. Oh, I forget names. Oh, I forget names. Well, why are you surprised that you're forgetting names? I say, no, I, I, I have a pretty good memory. I remember most of the names that I, you know, that, I, that I learn. I remember names. That's what I say about myself. But then I know if I'm saying that about myself, I need to back that up. And so now I'm very serious about remembering names. And I try my best to remember names. Like Stan, all right? How many of you remember your waiter's name from, from yesterday? If you were in a restaurant, right? I just remembered it's Stan. But you know how I remembered Stan's name? And you know why I remembered Stan's name? Because Stan is a Christian, but he's also Chinese. And I know God loves all the nations. And I want to connect with Stan. Stan doesn't come to the restaurant where I, where I ate very regularly. He comes there maybe like, you know, um, uh, once a, one, one, one month a week on a weekend. And so what I want to do is I want to, when I see him again, I know it's going to be a long time before I see him. I want to connect with him because I actually want to share Christ with him more. I want to learn how his journey because uh, I believe it's important. And so, so I wrote down Stan's name on my, on my ticket. I wrote it down, Stan. So I came home and I was emptying my wallet. And, and, and so I tried to throw out away some of my slips, right? It's like, ah, I don't want to throw this slip away, but I don't want the slip in my wallet anymore. Um, how am I going to do this? How am I, I going to remember Stan's name? Because if I throw this little ticket away, Stan's name is gone. I just know it, right? right? So I thought to myself, okay, how can I do this? How can I do this? So I, so I saved Stan's name on my phone. No phone number, nothing. Just his name. No, no surname, just the restaurant I ate at and his name. You know what? I'm never going to forget Stan's name now. <laughs> if I could remember it now in this little fresh situation, I could, I'm going to remember it every time. When I greet him again, I'm going to like, Stan, I've been so looking forward to meeting with you. You know what that's going to do to his heart? Who is this guy? I want to talk with him. He knows me. Self-talk. That's how we start realizing that we need to change up things. And, and if, if we can... If we can be honest with ourselves, we'll realize that we're our own bad, baddest enemies, worst enemies, baddest, own worst enemies of, at times with these things. So submit your self-talk to God. Never again say of yourself, I'm a sinner. Say, I'm the righteousness of God that is yet to be perfected. I know it's a little bit more words, but that's actually the truth. If you mind saying something, that is actually true. I am the righteousness of God, but I'm not perfected yet. What are you saying about yourself? That is not true. That is just flippantly said, but in actual fact, it's destroying your identity. No one is more influential in your life than you. Than you. You are other than God. But we can even become more influential in our lives than God if we're not careful. But I'm just saying, among people, you're the most influential person in your life. And that's why it's so important for us to delve into God's words and start speaking His word over me. If people doesn't love you, don't love you, you have to say, I am loved. Because that will be the truth about you according to Scripture. If you were unsuccessful at a particular thing, you have to say, my lot is secure in God. My inheritance is falling in pleasant places for me. That's Psalm 16. And so if you've ever had a reason to need to memorize scripture that you can use in moments like that when you have a challenging experience in life, that you have word of God, that you can self-talk to yourself, this is the reason 
so that your identity does not get influenced. Your sense of security and value does not get compromised because of how and what you're experiencing at that particular moment. You have the truth to back up, back you up. So I'm going to pray today that the Holy Spirit becomes like an autocorrect to us that actually works. How many of you have messed up a text message <laughs> because it was like an autocorrect? Oh, yeah. Um, but that each and every time we self-talk untruth or lies over our lives, that the Holy Spirit will remind us, that's not true. That's not true. And in that moment, I beg you, just pray this small prayer. Lord, what is true about me? And He will true, be true to Himself and He will show you His light so that you can see light. The fourth and final thing is we need to focus more on what God is doing in us than what others are saying about us. Don't be bothered by how many likes you get on social media about things. When you posted something that is what God is doing on the inside of you, it doesn't matter who likes it or who dislikes it or comments or nothing. Get your focus back on what God did for you. If you're sharing a, you know, a message with a friend, if you're telling somebody something that happened in your life that you felt was amazing, and their response is, oh, okay, well, yeah, good for you. Don't let that response influence what God was doing. God was busy doing something great with you until you allowed outside influence to kind of devalue it. Just don't do that. Stay focused on what He's doing on the inside of your heart and you will keep walking in the miracle that He's busy performing in your heart. Your life will be transformed into His likeness and the things that He wants you, what He's calling you into, you're going to have the faith and the courage to step into those things. Focus on what He's doing in you and forget about what others are saying around you. Hebrews 11, 27, it says, It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Sounds a bit like an oxymoron, but it talks about in his light, we see light. He remained going because he did not consider what he was doing, how it was going, as informing who he was and whether that was God was leading him. He kept going. Another verse in the Bible says, hey, if you've put your hand to the plow, don't you look back. Don't you look back. If you started this relationship with Jesus, don't you look back. Keep going on it. It might be rough. It might be like, you, you know, there might be a lot of things that you are afraid of. You know, all I can say this to you, that He's faithful and He is safe. And even if He leads you through things that are scary, it is going to be because it's your good. It's for your good. It's going to be for your good. He wants you to trust Him and take that step with Him. It's about walking in trust. That's what faith is. It's about knowing what's going on around you and yet believing that the Bible is the best way. That's faith. Even if I don't see it, I know you're working. Even if I don't feel it, I know you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That is what we confess by faith in saying, I'm looking to your light to guide me. So if you think about Moses, he was a sheep herder. 
not thinking of himself to do anything more than that. The Bible does not say he was pursuing God and he was trusting God for more and he was, you know, ambitious and he wanted to achieve great things. And, you know, no, he had none of that. But then he had an encounter with God and he connected with I am. And I am changed all of his am I questions. But he had to take that step and just trust and walk with him. What happened though? became one of the most famous leaders in history. Led people with miraculous signs that have never been paralleled, that have never been done after that. Incredible things God did through him because he stepped out and he trusted and he allowed God to change his am eyes into I'm connected to the great I am. God wants that for you. You know how God has a plan for your life. You know how much how much God wants to achieve through you? You know how many people God wants to influence through your life? God wants to let so many people experience His life through you. If you will only say yes to Him, He'll change your life around like you can never imagine. He'll, he'll turn you into a person that loves people even if you hated them. He'll turn you into a person that's willing to talk about your personal matters when you never would talk about your personal things. He'll turn you into a person that can love Him expressively and emotionally, even if you were the most stoic of individuals that, that was you know, created in this side of life. God can connect you to your purpose to make a difference if you will allow Him, if you will step out with Him. And that is the, that is the call today. That is what He wants for us today. If you will anchor yourself to the I Am, He will help you to understand who you really are, who you were really created to be. And He will do amazing things through you. And those things are going to be for His glory. It's going to be for your good. He's going to make it work together. I want us to stand today. Um, I'm going to pray for two groups of people today and release something over the first group's life um, that will free you up from things that you have been bound to for your identity. Who are you? What have you been holding on to to define you? Is it your career? Is it a relationship? Is it a season of life? What have you held on to? Like I am just, then describe yourself. And, and if you would like to disconnect today from what cannot sustain you and connect to God and say, Lord, I want to look into your light and find out who I am in you. Help me, lead me, guide me. Just put up your hand right now. I'm going to pray that over y'all. It's right there where you are. Just acknowledge that before God. All right, let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, you see every hand raised, every heart consecrated before you today. Father, we release them from these lies, these things that have held them captive, these things that have limited them, Father, these things that have boxed them in to only be able to X, Y, and Z. Father, as they're reaching out to you by putting up their hands today and saying, Lord, here I am, lead me. I'll follow you. I want to become who you've created me to be. Father, you make that miracle happen in their hearts right now. In Jesus' name, you release them from whatever has held them captive. And you release them, Father. You bind them to I am who will show them exactly who you've created them to be. Thank you, Lord, that today starts a journey for them to go and, and make a difference in a way and through their identity that you have created them. While we're remaining in prayer, 
you can never understand truly who you are until you bow your knee to Jesus Christ and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. You cannot look to Him to help you find out who you are, to find security if you do not actually say to Him, I believe that I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. And if that's you today, if you want to acknowledge to God today that I'm a, I am a sinner, I have not... I have not become the righteousness of God. I have not submitted my life to you. I have not believed in you and confessed that I believe in you as as my Savior. And you want to do that today. You want to connect to the I am. Why don't you put up your hand right now? And we're going to pray a prayer together. The Bible says a miracle will take place in your heart if you do this. And you will become a child of God. Something on the inside of you will change. It will shift. You will transfer from death to life. The kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. You will become a child of God that is never to be separated from Him again. I know this is sometimes a tough decision to make. But you've been, you've been wrestling with who you are. And today I want to let you know that Jesus wants to tell you that He can help you figure out who you are and become a secure man and woman of God, child of God. You just keep coming back. Every Sunday, there's going to be an opportunity. And when you've come to this place, when you've come to that place, where you want to make that decision, we'll be here to respond and help you make that confession. And you'll find that that starts a journey that is incredible, incredible, connecting to a God that accepts you, that loves you, and it'll grow you into somebody you could never have imagined you could become because that's just the kind of awesome God He is. Father, I just pray such a blessing over everybody that is here. Lord, thank You that You have, Lord, You have created in us a worth because of what You did for us. You conveyed value on us because You chose to die for us. You counted our lives more valuable than Your own. You laid down Your life so that we may live Father, we are abundantly thankful for that, Lord. And from that, Lord, we know that nothing can stand against us. For if my God is for me, who can be against me? Lord, I pray your truth hit our hearts, hits our hearts so hard that we cannot recover from your truth, but it will forever change us into your likeness. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.